Hey guys, just wanted to take a, a second of your time to talk about a new bra head company that has appeared on the scene to deliver high quality bra heads at an affordable price. Exact Archery and the Exact Bra Heads deliver high quality, durable, and constant bra heads for a fraction of the price working directly with manufacturers they deliver. Order a three pack of four blade bra heads today for just $20 at www.exactarchery.com. Use the promo code BLADE22 to get free shipping. Thanks, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Blue River Bow Hunting Podcast, episode 55. Uh, this week I got a real special guest on with me, uh, Brad Luttrell, uh, the man from uh, behind all the go wild stuff. Uh, what's going on, buddy? What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me on here. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you uh, taking time out of your, I'm sure, very busy schedule to get on here and talk a little, a little deer hunting, a little bow hunting, a little uh, everything, sounds like. Yeah, man, it is busy right now, but this is the fun stuff to getting to take a break from all the the trade show travel kind of got a down week this week. So, uh, good to, you know, get back to some of the fun stuff, which is talking to guys like you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, for somebody that doesn't know you, Brad, uh, introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm Brad Luttrell. I'm the co-founder and CEO of go wild. I grew up in Southeastern Kentucky, grew up, um, you know, it's in the heart of Appalachia and grew up hunting and fishing, but really didn't get into like big game, like whitetail until I was uh, an adult. So, you know, grew up shooting squirrels, catching bluegill and bass with my dad. We liked to camp and all that good stuff. Um, and then, you know, I ended up going to University of Kentucky, got a journalism degree. I did the journalism thing for a while. And I, so at some point after having gone through college and been out of just like not, not as active in the outdoors, really started trying to get not back into it, not just back into it, but, you know, get better. I really got interested in whitetail. Mm-hmm. And so I spent like four, four years or so doing that. And it was just mind boggling to me of how much there is to learn, you know, cause I was coming at it really new. My dad didn't know anything about whitetail hunting. And, and so, uh, that really kicked off, I guess, a lot of what we might end up talking about here is just how, how like not knowing was actually the emphasis for starting go wild. A lot of people think I was this great hunter, people that just meet me they're like, man, you must've just loved hunting and been super good and killed elk and you know, all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, man, I didn't know anything. That was the problem, right? Like I was trying to find a way to learn better. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the background and the gist of it. You know, there's no crazy like upbringing or anything. I didn't like grow up hunting in Africa or something. It's just good old squirrels and, and, uh, you know, lake fishing growing up. Yeah. That, that part of Kentucky is awesome. And I actually own some property in uh, Wayne, Wayne County. Okay. Uh, it's right on Wayne Pulaski line. I grew up, my uh, grandparents are from down there. My, all my in-laws on my dad's side are from uh, down there in uh, Southeastern Kentucky. And uh, it's pretty cool to talk to you. Cause I know you have a lot of uh, pride and stuff when it comes to everything going on down there with music and everything else that comes with that. Oh man, I love the music scene. I, one of my favorite events of the year is the Laurel Cove Music Festival, which is, you know, it's like it's like a thousand people go to this thing, but it feels so small. And it's it's right there in the heart of the Mountain Laurel. That's what it's named after. It's in the in the White Rocks that you'll often see down that way. But I, dude, there's just there's something special about Appalachia, and I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of in love with it because I grew up there. My family's been there for hundreds of years. But um, what was cool is like even seeing how similar it is you know I, I did that bear hunt in december and got to go up with, into virginia with those guys and that's hours from where i grew up but it, it felt like home man like it's all it's all just like good old old people who their their bloodlines have lived there for forever and 
you know, I, so there's something special about not having that in, outside influence. Like you get into with, with the city, uh, a lot of, a lot of those cities look the same that they did a hundred years ago. And some people would, you know, rag on that, but I think it makes them kind of special. No, absolutely. For sure. And it's, I've told this uh, to people before and they didn't really believe me, but like the deer heritage down there was so thick when I would go down there uh, to hunt and stuff, I would ask other people's permission to get on their places and everybody, when it came to turkey hunting, didn't care. Go shoot yeah. them all, shoot as many as you want. If you ask some people to, you know, deer hunt their place, it's like trying to sleep with their wife or something like they're going to kill you over it. Yeah, dude, I I didn't know anything about turkey hunting, and I really had never met anybody that turkey hunted uh, as a kid. My, my none of my family did it, none of them. Now 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 they've kind of gotten into it, and I think it's gotten more popular with specifically my family there. And there's obviously turkey hunters there, but you're dead on in that like people, you know, it's whitetail. But what's also funny is that the it's whitetail, but as you know, that population in the eastern part of Kentucky is just a lot different than the western part too. You know, up here, like I, I have deer sometimes in my backyard and I technically live in the city of Louisville. I'm on the outskirts, but they're everywhere and we can shoot just unlimited does, right? Like unlimited. It's crazy. And then you go to the eastern part of the state and it's it's much stricter on, on the, the doe take and it's a totally different zone. And it's it's amazing how 120 miles makes that much of a difference, but it really does. Those, those mountain deer are a lot different than what we have here. Oh, absolutely. And that's, we'll get into some of that when we talk some whitetails. I want to kind of know how all that works on that in, in the mountainous uh, settings. I've never really deer hunted much down there. I've turkey hunted a lot down there, but your, your deer, uh, you know, what you're going to do behind your whitetail tactics is going to be a whole lot different than what I'm doing here in just East Central Indiana. And it's really not even that far just because I'm in kind of the farm flat stuff and all that rolling hills down there can make a whole d another ball game for whitetails. Yeah. And honestly, man, I wouldn't even say I'm that good at it. What's, what's kind of funny is I, I've killed, um, some bucks down there and i spent my my first like full season scouting down there well three i had like three seasons before i found a go wild that i i'd scouted down there it's tough it's a lot of public pressure um i, I public land hunted a little bit this year down there i did two full days down there um and with with archery season and it was like maybe two weeks before modern gun opened up um, I feel like that's honestly your best shot at, at finding them. Uh, you know, the orange army shows up and there's so much public land access with good roads down there because the, you know, a lot of it's on abandoned strip mines and you could, I mean, I was driving miles on top of these strip mines without like I, just in my normal everyday SUV. And it makes like that, that easy access makes it to where like you'll show up on opening day a gun like I've done before and I mean, you might get run over. There's so many people driving through <laughs> and that part of it makes it really challenging. The deer get really pressured. It's a smaller population anyways. And from people I've talked to, to get to like a big buck and they, there are big bucks in Eastern Kentucky, but dude, they are living. I mean, they are remote. You're going to be hiking. They, they live in thick stuff, dude, too. It's like the, the thicker, the better you get. You want to be in Laurel, like to where you can barely see to shoot. It's almost like you have to archery hunt them um from the people i've talked to again i haven't like pulled any freaks out of there i feel like i've almost like honed my skills more up here um closer to louisville which is a different ball game altogether um but it's a lot of uh you know some of those some of the public land down there you're talking fifty thousand acres of public but it's it's difficult to get a quarter mile from a road because these logging roads overlap so much logging or, or coal mining roads will overlap so much 
that um, everything's accessible. You know, I, I hiked a, or I walked a spot this this year, uh, scouted it on a map the night before. It was a new spot I'd never been up to and picked a spot I wanted to go to. I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to – this feels like a good spot. It feels like the Bucks would be traveling through here for a couple different reasons. And went in, set up, and I ended up like was right on a buck. I could smell a buck when I was sitting there and the wind was blowing just right. And I got up and like walked around and there was a buck bed 10 yards behind me up the hill. And But the problem – like I was 200 yards from a road this way, 100 yards behind me was a road, and 100 yards below that was another road. So, so like hunters can just tear through here and it, it seems like in, in gun season, especially it just becomes a whole new challenge, which I know you do a lot of bow hunting. Um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of thinking this year on that spot, I had a lot of good deer sign that time. Like it was clear there's a good population of bucks in there. So I think like, if you're going to do that, the key archery is the key, like kind of sneaking in right, right in that late October, a little bit of pre-rut activity but their, their guard's still a little bit down. That's like, if I were going to build a whole game plan, I would be building around that late October timeframe. Um, and then, then you're not as worried about access. Cause I feel like just simple recreational vehicles is a little different than hunters coming in and busting up. They're yeah. probably a little more used to that. Um, but dude, this year, just as a side story, uh, it's a small story, but I've been down, I've lived down there. Uh, we lived there in high school or I guess it might've been middle school when they brought the elk back mm-hmm. and, uh, that first hundred that they brought back and bell county was one of the first counties they brought them in where I, I grew up and i was born in harlan grew up in bell and i've looked for my whole life to see an elk i just like my parents see them all the time my dad's an insurance agent and people hit them with cars like they're a nuisance and i've still yet to see one and this year i finally saw my first public land elk in kentucky uh, with all my trying i saw it up on a strip mine and it was, I mean, it's so cool, dude, 2000 yards away. And I could see this thing. Uh, and it was cool. Cause I could watch it and I watched it. I, I quit hunting. I just watched the elk for 30 minutes, you know? That's uh, awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. It was like a, a, a big, it's kind of a dumb thing. Like it's a dumb milestone. Cause I, I didn't have a ta- elk tags are impossible to get here. I always try, but, uh, um, me too. <laughs> it was just a big cow too. It was like, I just thought it was so cool. Cause I've, I've lived it. I've seen where we had none, you know, and they brought them back. And now that we have a really, we have the healthiest population east of the Mississippi of, of, of elk now. And it's, it's a really cool comeback story. That's awesome. Yeah. This was my first year, uh, diving into Kentucky deer hunting. I got, I went with a group of guys. This was their, uh, 11th year going, they go the, the, archery opener labor day weekend down there uh northern kentucky uh the place they took me was uh, a bow only uh it gets one gun hunt a year it's a drawed out system there somehow um but we went for the opener and wow that just being in a deer woods that early for me was a lot different for me it was so hot we had some weather in the area and made it rainy and wet and just really hot down there but uh i would love to go back down there in october november window kind of like you're talking but it's just so hard to get away from home hunting then because i'm so zoned in on a couple of these uh properties i have here it's hard for me to get away oh i get it man i think northern kentucky is still zone two that population's quite a bit different than what we're talking about of the appalachian uh that's zone four if i remember correctly um but the i i i'm with you like it i i never hunt september i do eventually want to get a velvet buck i think that'd be really cool kentucky's yeah. one of the best states to do it because we open up with dove season it's crazy right. oh yeah you know? we heard them when we were oh, in the yeah. stand the, boo, 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 boo. oh we yeah you crazy. you were yeah if you were in northern kentucky it's a good spot for dove hunting i, I would say because uh you get 
one cornfield cut and it's like that's where they're going to go to eat um versus like i've I've dove hunted a bunch down near um near bardstown and like the laredo area and there's corn everywhere and like it kind of depends on how when that corn neighbor corn gets cut because if if food sources are everywhere it can be a little tough uh but i bet up there you know it's a little more patchy and so if you're on a good food source near or have a good food source nearby you could tear it up on the doves Oh, they had like fields planted and whole areas designated for it. Uh, they couldn't come in to a certain time, I think it was, though, because it wasn't like right off the bat in the morning. Uh, it seemed like they took dove hunting pretty serious down there uh, compared to here. I mean, we we go put on basketball shorts and a cutoff and sit in a bucket on the you know corner yeah. and start shooting some. <laughs> These guys were all decked out. <laughs> yeah, dude, it, it varies. Uh, I do think on opening morning, I think opening day on um, Labor Day weekend, you can't shoot until like 11 or noon or something it, it's not a first light right um and I, I can't remember i don't even remember if you can hunt in the morning throughout the season i guess you can but we never do we always go in at lunchtime right and, and hunt them on the on really that like last three hours is when they pick up but I, we're kind of like you it's like jeans and a camo shirt <laughs> right. like t-shirt and people are just kind of hanging out in a on a cornrow right so, uh, how did you get, uh, started in hunting in general? Who got you into hunting? Uh, my dad. So my dad grew up squirrel hunting. Um, you know, I, I was probably 12 when he first took me and, you know, thought it was really fun. And it's just like getting to spend time with him doing something new. Like uh, before we went out, he taught me how to shoot a 410. You know, I've been shooting. I'm not still not like super proficient, I would say compared to a lot of the go wild members I know and have got to meet, but, uh, you know, started shooting my papa handed me like a uh, 38 special at six years old. And he's like, here, try this on for size. And, <laughs> and my, my, my ears ring for a week after that. But, you know, um, got into small game and I would just say it was probably casual, you know, like at best that dad, we didn't really have a spot. So dad would go like when he had somebody that was like, Oh yeah, you can come to my place and hunt this weekend. And we would do that every now and then, uh, but it wasn't a lot. Like really diving into hunting was more of my own personal pursuit after college. My sister and I, for like even through college, that was kind of our thing. We we would for day of Thanksgiving we'd go on a squirrel hunt, and we started doing that for years, and and really have only stopped doing that the last couple of years just because we both got kids now and it gets a little tougher and right. kind of feel bad leaving everybody with your your kids. And I got a whole mess of kids now, so you always feel even worse. Um, <laughs> squirrel hunting was always just what we did. It was fun. You know, it's casual. It's, it's kind of like a little bit more elevated than dove hunting. Like you were talking about, like, you're not going to wear basketball shorts, but if right. what I love about it is if you screw up, you just sit down and wait 10 minutes and they're back. Right. So, <laughs> right. um, but that, that was really the gateway drug to it for me. Um, but then when I, when I realized, you know, I never, just hadn't really, th- my cousins grew up hunting whitetail and I would, they would bring bucks back. I always thought it was cool, but I, I just never realized how much there was to it. I think anybody that's not done it, thinks you just go out and sit and get lucky a deer passes by and you and i know like (laughs) yeah that might happen there might be a passerby buck that you haven't seen around that area before but generally they're they're very territorial they're like it takes a long time to figure out where they are and even if you got 80 acres they may only be really active on like four or five of those acres right like um i just didn't know any of that and I, i had a guy i was hunting with uh for a while was hunting his property and then when i when i couldn't hunt with him anymore that's where I got a cold, hard introduction for a couple of years of trying to do it on public. 
And I, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. What, what do you I'm think doing. your biggest mistake was then, uh, kind of out on your own, looking back on it now? Not, not understanding pressure enough. I think I like I would just, you know, access. I'm like easy access. I'm gonna go park my four wheeler here and walk 300 yards that way, and like maybe a deer will come by. No idea what I was looking for. I would just try to get in areas where I'm like, yeah, I can see a lot of things. And you know, you and I know, like now. I'm like, yeah, that may not be the best spot because the deer doesn't like they they like walking through all that protection and and being covered up in brush and uh it's just not like it's not very often they're out in the open. It's like feeding now. Now I know that like they're only doing that really when they're feeding and maybe passing by. But it, when you're dumb and don't know any of this stuff, you just think like, oh, deer just hang out in the woods, so I'll just go <laughs> sit in the woods, right? Uh, and so really trying to even with my scouting, you know, trying to scout on public land you know, finding, it took me several years to understand because I, and this is all leading up to the foundation of Go Wild, uh, uh, you know, of several years to understand that deer that you see on camera early season aren't going to be their late season, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that took me a long time to understand that. And I, I think like in some ways technology is almost a hindrance to success because you can see that something was there when you weren't. Like I had a whole season where I, I had I got access to 660 acres in Eastern Kentucky, and I thought I was the king, right? And I had a <laughs> right. big freaking deer showing up, like like one of those nice bucks you got behind you there. This thing had 11 points. His his G2s were just ginormous, and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna kill a deer of a lifetime for me. Um, I did the whole thing and naming him Mr. Tall Tines, and I'm I'm sitting there watching this deer's coming through every three days, and I'm like, oh, it's on like Donkey Kong. I go in there for opening day. I set up. I hunt the hardest I've ever hunted. Like long, I'd never done full day sits until that day. Well, no, that's not true. Um, so, but first, I would say first multiple full day sits. I did a whole weekend, and I think I even had taken off an extra day to get uh, the day after a Monday or something. And I ended up talking to the property manager who didn't even hunt. And he's like, oh, yeah, the deer aren't here anymore. And <laughs> it was a non-hunter that told me this. He's like, yeah, the, uh, I don't know what it is, but late season, they just aren't here anymore. They go up the mountain. You're in the wrong spot. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just spent 36 hours hunting as hard as I could and for nothing, right? And so uh, the series of these combinations of, like, I got to find people that are local because I would do research and I would end up reading a forum for 30 minutes and I'm like, oh my God, they're talking about deer and cacti. This is Texas I, or it's mule deer. And it's like, <laughs> right. it made it, it's like re- now podcasts and YouTube have kind of changed some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can dial into someone like you that hunts in my area or Parker McDonald in Alabama and I can really hear from somebody local. This is 2017 and I know that doesn't sound that long ago, but you got like even the hunting public wasn't. Right. blowing you know it's like you didn't have the resources it was like meat eater and they're talking about brown bear hunting you know mm-hmm. i just couldn't find the resources so that's really what inspired found in the platform is like i just i want a place where i can dial into what i want to do so deer hunting for example and then find locals that do it and you know i think if you fast forward to us now this year will be six years um since the the first launch of the app and I think we do that better than anybody. And I mean, I'm, I would say that, but Absolutely. I, I just, the near me feature on go wild is awesome. I, you, the rut starts coming in and I love hitting that button on the deer trail. And just like, I can see everybody that's in 150 miles of me or in my state. And it's like, Oh dude, this, the, all these guys are talking about the, the rut and it's like, it's on this weekend, you know, and oh, it just, absolutely. it's so it's such a cool tool. Um, uh, but I'm kind of jumping ahead, but, uh, no, yeah, that's, that, that's really like the gateway into it for me was just self trying to figure it out you know i wish i I, i'm kind of in the same boat as you i kind of wish there was something to 
uh, go back on then. I feel like when I first started hunting and getting deep into whitetails, all we had was really, uh, you know, the outdoor channel and stuff like that. I mean, there was people on YouTube and, you know, certain shows like uh, Primos and that kind of stuff. It kind of wasn't always on TV. You could get DVDs at Walmart and that kind of thing. But now with this, so many content creators and stuff like that and like you said even re- local guys like me where a lot of local people are listening maybe i don't get a lot of people from you know california or something like that but uh i wish i had more back then man i leaned yeah. a lot on uh the older people around me that uh had been doing it forever and i think the the biggest mistake i made back then when i first started whitetail hunting uh i wasn't reading the sign well enough i was too scared to go into a place and walk around and check for everything instead of just sneaking in, sitting in the same old spot every time where I thought there was going to be deer, you know, and then maybe not seeing the deer for, you know, a couple hunts. And then, you know, oh, they're over there. Maybe one day I'll move a stand over there. And it's like you get to a point when you're like, all right, I've had enough of this. You know, I've seen stuff over here. I'm going to go. I think I learned that best from my my neighbor, Adam, uh, who hunts with us a lot. He just showed me how to go into a spot and absolutely search it from bottom to every little thing and notice every little detail of that. Or when you're checking trail camera uh, pictures, really look at your pictures. You know, you may have a buck standing there and it's like, well, wonder where he came from. You know, you can't really tell. And then he's got mud from his, you know, his, the top of his legs down. It's like, well, he's coming through a swamp, but you know yeah. I mean? He's got mud all over him. Just the smallest detail of checking, uh, you know, everything in a whitetail world. And then finally, uh, connecting the dots. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a lot of what's cool about the platform is you can learn from people will log a trail cam photo and they'll talk about it. They'll have a question about it and you'll get 30 people talking about what they think is going on. But, you know, even going back to some of the problems I was reading, I would go out and buy the deer hunting magazines that come out you know, starting every year. And, and I was so dumb. I'm like, it's like play the wind. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like I understand that deer can smell, but how do I set up to account for that? How do I, how do I hang deer? You know, they talk about deer pee and I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's a base level of knowledge that I just didn't have then. And like you said, uh, now I feel like, I feel like I could get dropped off on any property and by end of like within a few hours, well, depending on the size here, uh, but like any normal property around here. And I'm going to like, I'm going to know just looking at it, 80% of it. I don't even want to scout. Like I'm you can, you just know to go to transitions, you know, like, where a deer would most likely be and you start there that alone puts you you know so much further ahead than somebody like i was in 2016 trying to figure that out um it's just a different ball game now of like but it takes time and compounding and so that's what we've tried to accelerate with go wild is lowering that barrier and making it easier for somebody to go out and have some level of a success and 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 trying to also redefine what that success is a little bit too of those deer magazines you get them up and you're like my god look at this 195 inch freak and it's like that's not really what you're striving for on your first hunt right it's like it's like let's be happy with the the spike if that's what it takes to get your first archery buck you know uh it's a great place to start is just getting some getting on a deer right and then you can build from there so And I feel like, you know, people on Go Wild aren't afraid to ask those questions and get a response compared to um, Facebook or somewhere like that where somebody's probably going to call them an idiot or something like that and be super harsh to them when they honestly don't have a clue and they're just leaning on for somebody for some advice. Yeah, well, we don't tolerate any of the bullying, um, which which really we don't get a lot of it because the community is really supportive. But yeah, that we... 
actively delete people for for trolling. If you troll somebody for a legal take, you know, we just we don't have unless it's a kid. I'll sometimes leave a kid because we want to give them an opportunity to learn from their mistakes. Um, but if, if somebody's aggressively just being a jerk to somebody over shooting a, a, a doe or a young buck or something, it's like, no, we don't do that here. You're out. Absolutely. So tell us the story of your 2022 buck. I know you got it done there. Was it close to the house there in Kentucky or where did you get it done at? Uh, it's kind of close. Yeah. It's like uh, 30 minutes from my house. It's out in corn country. Um, it's where I turkey hunt to. I've got access to a 75 acre farm and I've hunted this property since 2017. And uh, actually it's cool because I killed a dude. I, I never like, I don't care about racks and this proves it. Cause I don't even remember how many points it was like 11 points i think uh mm -hmm. it's a good mass young buck but he would uh he would have been a total freak the next year um but i i killed him in 2017 there and honestly had not killed a bigger deer there until this year um this one hangs with him he, he's he's pretty he was a good buck um but that season was interesting because I've just like, even on 75 acres, the deer move around a decent amount, uh, because of the mast. And so, you know, some areas where I've had success sitting in the past, they won't be there. And, you know, it's even now I'm still learning. And this year I started off, I thought, you know, the last two years from COVID, the gun pressure has been really heavy. And it, I mean, we're talking like world war three level of amount of shots. <laughs> um, I think in 2020, I heard 200 shots throughout the first day oh, and wow. dude it's nuts and That's then crazy. um the next year i heard 100 shots before 8 a.m and uh this year it was not quite that but it was still quite a bit of shots and so there's a lot of pressure i would even argue that there's more pressure where i hunt now uh just because it's so just in that like 10 mile stretch there because it's a lot of like 30 acre farms and um there's just people taking kids out i mean you'll hear like eight shots in a row it's nuts and wow. so um i i strategically set up i was like well all those shots will start and then midday they'll start moving through cover they're not going to be out in the open as much and i've seen that in the past where that's happened well i set up in my spot for that and i didn't see anything i mean it was a rough first day and i just start um i, I this is my first year having a saddle set up and uh, I was kind of still compiling it at the beginning of the, of, uh, the, the season and I had it ready like of archery season. And, um, I, I had put in maybe like four or five hunts before a gun opener. I didn't hunt a ton of days this year. I think a deer season was like maybe 10, 10 or fewer days total, but I was really aggressive on my mobile strategy this year and moving around this property. And so like after day one uh, of gun opener, I was, it burned me and I'm like, I'm moving somewhere else. And I just kept moving around this property until I put together. Um, I actually figured out, I figured out where the does were in an area that like really heavy congregating out in the field in the evenings. And after a couple hunts, I'd even figured out like, I mean, they were almost like clockwork four o'clock on the nose. They're out in the field. It was, it was almost eerie how on the nose it was that they were moving out that direction. And I'm like, okay, I need to be more up that way. And then I figured out um, these bucks were big. I had a, there was a buck that was a lot bigger than the one I shot that was hanging out out there. And I saw him the night before, well, the Sunday night before I shot my buck, which I shot my buck on a Thursday. Um, and so I, 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 when I saw him, I'm like, okay, I, again, I didn't run cameras at all this year. I was just kind of rolling with it. So I figured out they were coming out of a spot um, that I hadn't really seen them come out of as heavily before. And, me and Jacob early that week got on on X 
and he was looking at the uh the mass and he's like pulled up my property and, and there was a heavy congregation of oaks um that i didn't even know about down in the river like creek bank so mm-hmm. i think they were going down there and coming out to those does in the evening um where, where they were grazing and so i'm like okay that makes sense there's a good trail i turkey hunt back there uh, a decent amount so i knew like the rough area and so i'm like i'm gonna set up out on this finger which normally i can't get to because i don't have a, a there's like four buddy stands or permanent stands out there ladder stands and uh but i had the saddle set up and i was like well i'll go out to where i would have a shot at either the does because you know it's kind of getting to a point where i needed the meat or if these bucks start coming up out of this field like or out of this uh this um one spot i'll have a shot on them and i think it was maybe my first time up in the saddle in that spot that i sat there all day i didn't see much of anything until four o'clock and then does started moving right on the, the the spot um and then i had uh what looked like like 15 minutes shooting light left i'm, I'm sitting here thinking i'm not going to get anything because i just hadn't had anything in range and i see what i thought was a groundhog um moving towards me and i'm like that's kind of weird the, just like it didn't feel right and it's like a weird time of day uh it seemed like to see one and then i realized it was a doe's back so i'm hunting an area this, this property rolls it's it's more of like what people think of horse country mm-hmm. and so I realized that where I've never hunted this spot, I didn't realize that I was so high up now at that spot that the the hill had rolled down and and she was kind of in between an embankment. All I could see was her back. And so I'm like, all right, cool. I'll take this doe. She's moving towards me. And really, I shouldn't shoot at her right now anyways because the pass through go to the neighbor's spot, but she's going to be over here in the next five minutes. I got time. So I was was like, I'm going to wait. And I had a scent wick hanging up across uh, maybe 80 yards away from me blow it. Cause I knew the wind was blowing back towards where I told you the bucks they've been coming from. Well, she got real jittery with like eight minutes to go. And I'm like, something's coming that she's, she knows something's coming that I don't yet. And that's what I was hoping for. And this buck came in, dude. And it was, it was the most, like it's the most majestic deer I've seen that I've taken. Uh, it, it, he came in, he's stomping. He's like kind of grunting. Like, like, you know, I could see him doing it with his, making, uh, with his n- nose kind of brushing or like snorting around mm-hmm. and, um, his neck is just like, I, I sw- swollen up as you can get, you know, peak rut and he, he comes up and I've got, so I'm in a saddle and I've got this like hybrid together saddle system. Cause I've been buying all the returns that you guys send back to go wild, <laughs> awesome. I, uh, but I, it's like a combination of tethered and, uh, um, trophy line gear i think i've even got some latitude stuff in there i'm a little bit trying out a little bit of everybody this year there you go uh, but and so i'm hunting with a bow hanger though that i'm resting my rifle on and so I've, I've got it back and i don't i have never fallen apart more on a deer than i did this year i don't know what happened dude like i thought i was past that as a hunter i mean i've just i've seen big deer and i normally hold it together i have never gotten the nerves to hit me all at once and i think this deer was such a big body that I thought he was a lot bigger rack. This this thing was a monster buck, dude. He was more than 200 pounds. I didn't weigh him, but That's I mean, awesome. the body weight on him was ma- massive. So at distance, he looked a lot bigger even than he was uh, from the rack perspective. But I kind of got the jitters and I had to talk myself out of it. <laughs> I've been there before. Yeah. And, and so uh, my I then started panicking when like that. I had the nervous jitters, but then I started panicking when I realized I'm like, oh, I could see two steps ahead. This doe's going to see him coming. She's going to bolt and he's going to bolt. 
Like I just started to put together what was going to happen. And so before he could top the hill, I grunted or like I bleated at him with my mouth and um, he stops, I shoot and he just stands there <laughs> and he looks at me and I'm like, did, did I miss like what, <laughs> what happened? And I, I had this like stupid moment of like, just like, I didn't think I'd, I just, just reality hadn't sunk in yet that I totally missed the deer. He's at 80 some yards. So just a botch shot from nerves. I rack another one, perfect shot, um, on the second one, long shot. And he rolls over there. He goes over the hill. He comes up, jumps back down. I know he's hit. He looked good. Everything felt good. Um, but I, uh, I was texting with the O2 podcast guys and some go wild guys. We had had a text thread that kind of started in deer season. And I just like, I was so jittery with adrenaline that I could just text uh, big emoji deer down. And that was it. That was like all I could get out. And I, they were like, have you checked? And I'm like, my, I'm such a wreck. That, and like, you know, I, I know I should wait, but I was like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go see this deer. And my, I'm like, I'm just going to creep up over the rolling hill here and see if he's there. And that would have been like 150 yards away. I'm like, I'm not going to push him too much. Like, I'll just see if he's fallen in the field and I get up and I could see the tail. And so I approach and he's dead and, um, ended up being a, a really, like, I was really happy with it. 11 point. Um, he, he, I don't know how old he was. I, uh, maybe a two and a half, three and a half. I don't, I just, again, skull wise, that's, uh, you know, I would say somewhere in there teeth seemed like they were in fairly good shape, uh, seemed youngish, but just huge, absolutely huge body on this thing. Um, the neck roast was like, two of my thighs you know just pulling these giant pieces of meat off um but yeah man i mean it was uh i was really proud because of uh the season i was just wasn't prepared i was kind of bouncing around to different spots really trying to pull together anything that was better than last year last year i accidentally tagged out because i shot a what i thought was a doe at 110 yards and it was a little i mean i am talking like the tiniest of uh tines that count in kentucky unfortunately but they were laying flat on his head oh man dude couldn't see him 120 i learned my lesson on shooting a doe before i get my buck tag they need to be a lot closer i had passed on that deer in archery season six times <laughs> i i weird. once i got up once i got up to him i realized which deer it was and i nicknamed it toothpicks because he had two little toothpicks <laughs> laying back on his head there's a trophy shot of me on go wild if you go back to that deer and you can see where i'm holding his head up and his ears are up and you can't see any antlers that's so, awesome. So I had like this self-imposed pressure. I was like, I got to do better than toothpicks this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, definitely congratulations on your buck, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. But uh, transition a little bit from whitetails. I want to hear, I've listened to uh, a story a couple times that you've done, but I want you to tell it on here. I want to hear about this uh, Virginia bear hunt. Yeah, man, that was interesting. I, I I didn't think about this when I started go out, but I've had so many nice people that have offered to take me hunting with them. Everybody and, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like people love the app and you know, they love the app cause it's great community right. and you know, we built the product, but we can't build the community. I mean, we can do things to help with that, but like what makes the community great is not me. It, it really, it's, it's all the people that use the platform that are so supportive of each other and, I just, it's been weird that, you know, I get like, uh, it, people are so nice and appreciative of that. And I, I know it sounds almost like I'm bragging. I'm really not. I'm just framing up the story. Yeah. Um, the, I've gotten so many nice people that have been like, dude, come hog hunt with me here or come do this or caribou or like whatever. I've had crazy offers and I'm, I've always, you know, we're a startup and I have to make 
decisions for the what's right. I could do those things that'd be right for Brad, but you know, uh, the, the, what's right for the company is different than what I would like to do all the time. But an opportunity came up recently with, um, Chris Powell and Heath Hyatt from Houndsman XP. Um, we're working with those guys this year quite a bit. And I got a uh, black bear has been something I've been really interested in doing for about the last six years. And, I got into that from Cody Rich. I used to listen to his podcast a ton. Cody's a good friend of mine from the industry. And I got into it thinking my first black bear hunt would be more of a spot and stalk. And I've done that once in eastern Kentucky, and it's a really hard hunt. Um, It's late season if you're doing the rifle. And um, it's just tough. It's really tough because it's it's kind of the winding down of the season. The bears aren't as mobile. And you got to really know what you're doing, I think, to have success with that. And I don't, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so the, I've, I've just not had any luck with that. So these guys offered to take me not only black bear hunting, but with hounds. That's awesome. And, and so with, with hounds really piqued my interest in a different way because I I've, I've been talking to these guys, I've been on their podcasts, you know, and, and have learned a lot about hound hunting from them. And then also like Ben sheets, who's on go wild. Mm-hmm. I've, um, uh, these guys have just kind of piqued my interest in the whole thing. I, I would say now Go Wild probably has one of the biggest communities of houndsmen in the yeah. world. I see and, it a lot. Yeah, it's cool. And I um I, I was like, I don't know a lot about that. And I've only been I've I've been on uh bird dog hunts, which is similar but very different. I'm gonna give it a go. So me and Derek Towles um from Go Wild, he uh helps with a lot of different things that go wild. Yeah, he's but, been on the show before. Yeah, Derek's awesome. He's so cool. Uh, Derek was one of the first 500 people on the app and then we ended up hiring him eventually. Uh, but so Derek had just killed a bear, a bear out in Colorado and that was a spot in stock, totally different vibe. Right. So he's like, man, I, this will be cool to go on another bear hunt. That's totally different. See what I, I, he didn't know what to expect either. So we go down, we go down to Virginia with these guys and the night before, you know, Derek and I just realizing that we have very like not we've, we've improperly packed. <laughs> Derek had a big backpack, Western style. Um, he had a 30-30, and I, I had no idea what I was doing. And and like I, I was kind of thinking more of I would have a distance shot of like a, a longer shot. I didn't realize how close these guys get up to these bears before they shoot them. And and so I had a 30 out six because that's the only thing I had that I thought could do the job. And they're like, no, that you you can't get to where we're going with that gun and i'm like okay i don't know what i'm doing like whatever so they like here this is your new gun so give me a 30 30 and um they all shoot pistols though and i was like that's kind of crazy like yeah, that no seems kidding. nuts it seems nuts i totally get it now because the we hiked for four uh four miles into the woods because again same time of year i was talking about where it's hard the bears kind of hole up well so same thing the dogs uh, were not rigging on the trucks the first day, like you kind of think of with hound hunting. We're we're hiking and letting the dogs go try to stir up the bears. And so four miles in, we finally get on a bear. And I say finally, in, in all reality, I had a very fast hunt because the bear treed early in the morning typically is longer. They'll run them longer. And, you know, the um, – the experience is just generally not that fast. Uh, what <laughs> it's also not this hard to pack out. So we, we get this bear treed. We're four miles in and Heath, uh, you know, Derek's got his gun with a scabbard on the back. And, uh, I've, I've joked a couple of times that he looked like, uh, 
uh, buzz from Toy Story with the rocket. <laughs> yeah. That comes back into play because there was one point where Derek gets stuck and he's like, Buzz, he's like, go on without me. I'll catch up. <laughs> um, that was this moment, actually. And I'm carrying the little go out sling pack and um, the I just got some stuff crammed down in that. And I had the the gun. And so I packed lightweight on my pack. Derek went heavy. We both have 30 30s. And so we, Keith is like, I'm sorry. We're like, that's weird. What are you sorry for? We're here to hunt. And he's like, you'll see. And we, we go 750 yards down this, this hillside. And first couple minutes are fine. Very quickly, we get into the thickest frozen laurel and rhododendron that you can imagine. I mean, there's no path. You're just busting straight through this stuff. There's Dang. quarter inch to half inch of ice on everything. And so we go all the way down to the creek. And, and then we start moving towards the sound of the dogs. And these guys just went into like next gear when that bear got treed because we're like the last three days they, they had been getting bears stuck. And so the bear would hole up and then it starts attacking the dogs. Oh, wow. And so we don't know if the bear's treed or if it's in a hole at this point. And so they, these guys are just not messing around. I mean, at one point, Taylor, the guy I ended up following after Derek got lost and stuck in a tree. Uh, uh, him and Heath were kind of behind us. Taylor's running, like I mean, running, oh, and and we're and he's like James Bond rolling under rhododendron, and <laughs> um, I'm doing everything I can to keep up because I'm like I don't know where I am. I mean, I, yeah, I'll just keep moving towards the sound. You know, it's kind of hard to miss ten hounds hunting, uh, barking, but like I I don't want to get left by the guy. I want to f- get there and see the whole thing. So I, we we roll up. I don't know how long this was. Maybe twenty minutes of like getting down to the bear. Maybe less. It might have been ten. I have no idea. We get there and immediately realize all of my thoughts on shot placement are out the window. Like I've, I'm thinking like, if you look up broadside bear or bear vitals, it's all broadside or like bear facing you in multi directions. This freaking 200 pound bear is wrapped around this tree. It's it's, I've got a shooting window. That's like the size of a large dinner plate. It is the, so the it's in a canopy like I know it's like it's winter December, but like the, this tree, it's still darker down in this creek bed, right? Mm-hmm. So I can, and, and there was still like there's cypress trees. There's still like I, the, it's not like it's a high light situation, right? Dark. It's dark, and so what is it? Bear. It's black, and you know you're you're trying to like you're all of the thoughts I had on prepping for vitals. Derek and I even talked about it the night before of middle of middle. I can't see middle. I can't see anything, and so I did. I, I made a tragic mistake when I placed the first shot and then I was trying to preserve the meat. I like had this whitetail hunter mindset of I'm going to hit vitals, try to double lung and get behind the, the hams. I'm like a huge food fanatic and I didn't want to spoil a ham, which right. ended up making me spoil like a uh, way more meat because I had to shoot this thing four times. Yeah. Um, I shoot him a little too far back and, and it's gut shot. And so this bear starts moving all over the place, dude. And so he kind of comes down and it's just this big blob, right? That I'm shooting at now. Like there's, I, and again, I've never done this before. And so he, he starts climbing back up the tree and I shoot and I, in the video, I can see him hitting him every time. I have no idea where the shots hit, by the way, when I skin the bear, I have like, it's just like the, they're kind of hard to tell. There was a couple shots that I could tell. Um, and then the last shot I knew. So his last shot, he starts really running up the tree and I took out his back ham, <laughs> like horrible shot, but he's, he's moving like, right. I'm shooting at right. a moving thing. Uh, with a dinner plate size shooting window looking straight up at this blob. And so I, 
not my finest moment, uh, but I, I have, I believe in not hiding these things and trying to act like I did this. Oh, like, I, absolutely. I, I'm like, I think there's too much of that. And it's like, yeah, I screwed up some stuff. Um, and I learned some lessons. Um, but, I mean, the bear died. So uh, <laughs> goal accomplished, but maybe <laughs> right. not, maybe less efficiently than I hoped. Right. Um, so for shot, this thing comes down. And one of the last things I see is bear landing on top of two dogs, like basically right on top of them. Heath runs in uh, to try to grab the dogs. And then the bear rolls over into the Creek. And I didn't know there was a Creek. I, I mean, I hadn't even thought about the Creek um, just cause all, it's so high action. The dogs are barking to me. Right, it felt pretty intense. Really? Yeah, dude. For like somebody that's never done this. And Derek said the same thing. He's like, it felt like chaos. The hounds guys are just like, this is, this is what they do. Like they're very experienced at this. And, I've even talked to Heath and Chris afterwards and like, it's so funny to hear other people, newbies talk about this. Cause like, we don't think of that as chaos. It felt like it was very orchestrated and, and controlled. I'm like, I know it was, but like the deer hunting is super quiet, very peaceful. There's one shot and then there's silence, right? right. Like it's just slow paced. The animal doesn't know I'm there. That was another thing that was strange for me. I said, I told Chris, I was like, I didn't, that if I didn't like any of it, it was just that the bear knew I was there. I said, I don't, I'm not ragging on you guys, but that's something that like emotionally is very different knowing that I, I'm not saying the bear was scared and all that. I'm not anthropomorphizing the bear, right? but that part of it is very different. And I don't think you understand that until you've done it. Cause I didn't really anticipate that part of it. Uh, but the bear sitting there looking at me, knowing it's in trouble, like it, it knows this ain't good. Right. right <laughs> like, definitely. And, and, uh, there's just uh it was just different and i would do it again i but that part of it i i like like with like that deer this is total opposite of the deer i told you about okay short of me shooting once uh but let, at that point he's heard gunshots all day i don't know i think like that's almost why he didn't run because they've just been hearing gunshots all the time right like right. that deer was in peak like peak of his life of like oh yeah i'm gonna go breed that doe right there <laughs> right. you know whereas the bear is like oh shit right it's yeah, like <laughs> I got yeah yeah so like there there was that but then so this is really like i if this is a whitetail story that's where it ends right it's like yeah and then i drove the truck up and we drove him out of there <laughs> uh or, or like like the, the whitetail packouts just generally aren't that crazy we've kind of got that part of it good right after like 300 years of white man uh slaying deer we, we know what we're doing on hauling out a deer right? right uh so the the bear though they they leave me and Derek with this bear and these appalachian guys like they're like we got to get the dogs out of here uh we, we don't recommend cutting it up like we're gonna try to drag him out to this trailhead here and then we can weigh him like the bear weight is what they really like to do. Whereas, you know, deer guys like their, their inch count on antlers. Right. And we're like, all right, that sounds doable. Like we can get it to that trailhead. Dude, we, we start, he fell 15 feet down the hill. So there was no going back up. It was straight down on, on this Creek. And, um, so we start trying to get this, we, we field dress him and start trying to move him through this rhododendron. It's it's over boulders, dude. We're like falling into holes. Um, I my shins were bruised for two weeks after this from falling so many times. Wow. And then we we pulled forever through this stuff. And then at one point we hear dogs running back at us, and I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" They they, took, they were supposed to take the dogs back to the truck. Heath calls us and he's like, "We're running a bear back towards you. Get your gun oh, ready." Oh man, yeah. Dude, <laughs> that bear ran. Well, I couldn't see him, but we heard the dogs come through. They ran thirty yards up above us, and then the dogs just vanished. I have no idea. I still don't know where those dogs, who those were. They were one of the groups. There's just like there's 
six groups with 10 dogs each. So I have no idea where they went or whose they were. This comes back around in a second. We, me and Derek pull over the road to Dendron and when these, we don't have radios, so we were only able to use cell phones. We're trying to send on X coordinates to them. They're not working with their garments for some reason. And so like, they don't know where we are. We can't communicate with them. It is cold. We've been busting through all this ice. It's like 36 degrees and we're soaked to the bone. We have I, Derek had a Western pack. I don't because I told you I packed light like these guys do, right. but they typically drag out. So we start talking and, and like after an hour, I'm like, we're, we're talking about cutting it up and packing out. And I'm like, I can't carry anything. I don't, I've got this little go out sling bag. And, and so we, we drag over rhododendron and laurel. And then finally the guy, one of the guys on the phone is like, you got to get out of that Creek bottom because that stuff is so thick. You'll never get out of there. You got to get up to going up the mountain so that you can get under it. Sounds awesome, right? Well, then you realize you're pulling a 200-pound dead body. <laughs> straight uh, up. Though. Straight up. I mean, <laughs> dude, people like to rag on Appalachia, but, like, we have our share of straight-up inclines. Um, in fact, I did a hike the other day. It was, like, 10 miles, and I did 2,700 feet of climb, right? Like, we, we can do – we have some hills, right? This is one of those hills. We're this. It's so steep that we were trying – we would move this bear, like, five yards – and if we let go, it'd start like rolling back down the hill, right? Like it's steep and slick. It rained all day the next before, and then it froze back over. Well, the, the rhododendron and laurel was so thick, we couldn't stand up to pull the bear. So we're literally hands and knees trying to drag this thing. This was three hours. And looking back on it, we should have given up a lot sooner. Uh, I wish we had. Because finally, <laughs> like I, I finally told Derek, I'm like, we just can't do this. This is not humanly possible for the two of us to get this thing a mile and a half out of here. How far have we gone? He's he pulls up on X and he goes, You don't want to know. He goes, We we might have gone 150 yards. Oh man. In three hours. So I was like, All right, we got to get this thing up onto a rock to where it won't roll. And we got to get out of here and go get help. We got to go get packs and cut this thing up. It's 12 30 at this point, And we start we on X pin. We do finally get it up to a point where we can drop him. And we literally like that. The hill was so steep. We couldn't just leave him cause he would roll and slide back down erasing 45 minutes of work. And so we get him up, leave him and start walking up. And I hear a <clears throat> like over to my side. And I thought immediate thought is bear. And then I'm like, nah, you're making that up. That's probably like, that's probably the four wheeler. They said there's a four wheeler coming to get us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what it is. <laughs> and, and then I look back at Derek and Derek is cool as a cucumber and his eyes are big. And I'm like, okay, that's a bear. Like I realize, and then I look down, I'm standing in bear scat fresh on top of old bear scat. Like there could not be more bear poop than what I'm standing in. And I'm like, this is not good. I hadn't even, I had reloaded at one point uh, when I heard the dogs running through, but we were dragging that bear. So I had unloaded again because I was flagging Derek <laughs> <with the, laughs> so, and it's like, uh, not good. So I, right. I, I told you, I like to tell all the brutal reality here. Um, so, uh, I had unloaded and I look at him. I'm like, I'm not even loaded right now. And he, he's, his guns back in his scabbard. So he's trying to get to his gun and, and nothing happens for a second. And then we hear this loud crash and I'm like, this is it. I'm going to die over a bare body. <laughs> Uh, like he's just going to pull me over and leave me on top of his buddy here. Uh, but it ended up the, uh, it had warmed up just enough to where this big chunks of ice had started falling and it was the ice falling. I have no idea where the bear went hundred percent. That's right. We got up right in line with where those dogs had run through earlier. 
And so that we heard a bear at like less than 50 yards, but it, it went away from us, obviously. Um, we go up to try to make this story like a little more brief, uh, at least here at the end. Two hours of coordinating. We finally meet up with the guys. The whole team comes in, helps us cut up, pack out. And we did not get back to the truck until 530. Uh, so we started at like six and went until 530. I walked 11 miles. Um, I could barely move the next day for a little bit. Like it took some, uh, you know, some freshening up in the morning to kind of get moving. Cause you're just, and even like three days later, I was still like that. Cause all, all the one, two, three pull of the bear trying to drag for, you know, three hours. Um, but dude, it was, it was so amazing. Like getting to see all the dogs work, see how those guys run the next day we, we rigged. So they did put them on the truck and I got to see how they run that. And it's like storm chasers, you know, they're out there coordinating, um, everybody's driving and flying past each other, trying to get ahead of the bear, just like you would a storm. And, uh, we ended up, you know, when, when, at one point we were like miles away from a dog. We had to drive an hour to find one of the dogs that was on a bear scent. And, uh, I still walked seven miles that day, even mostly working out of the truck. I mean, it's people, people that say it's easy have ever done it. I'm telling you that was harder than any whitetail hunt I've ever done. Every bit of it. I say I've I've been wanting to do the whole the whole bear thing too, and I don't know from what you just said. I think I'd rather sit over a bait site or something. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, the bait site would definitely be um, less walking. Uh, it's kind of like white whitetail hunting. You're gonna ride off of um. It's like showing up to your buddy's buddy stand after he's done all the work scouting. That's what I feel <laughs> right. like. That's what I feel like baiting is probably like. Like you're reaping somebody else's rewards if you're doing that. Because um, right. I mean, I know that a lot of those bait guys they got to wheel in all that bait that they take in. I think it's that's probably a lot of front loaded work, but the actual hunting of it is lighter weight. Um, but I I just have actually we just launched an article for me today about like cut the crap. These hound guys are legit. You know, you right. think about. I think about how much work they put in. I mean, Heath and Chris run their dogs all year long, man. I mean, they're coon hunting and then they, uh, they're going up to New York in the off season when, the, when they can run bears and do treat and freed up there. And then, you know, they, they, they move throughout the country with mountain lions and they do bobcats. And, you know, t most of the time they're just letting these animals go. They're just working the dogs and training them. But I'm, I'm like, people call it easy. And I'm like, dude, this is nothing but, nothing but work every bit of this is work on these guys like they spend more money than anybody else they spend more time than anybody else i just anybody in their right mind that's seen it in action would never be like yeah that was easy you know right nothing about that sounded easy whatsoever no. yeah they do like chris even told me he's like yeah we have moments where we shoot them 50 yards from the truck like th sometimes the bear runs back and it works out that way but my point is the, it's not just the pack outs, it's all the training. And I mean, these dogs are trained like Olympic athletes. They have no body fat on them. They can run 30 miles a day. They, they, these guys know their caloric intake on these dogs down to the calorie and what they should put back into them. I mean, they're nutritionists basically. They, one of the guys we were hunting with was a vet who can stitch up a dog on the trailer, like in 10 minutes and be done, like instantaneously fix a dog. Like they're very smart. They're very hardworking, and I would say if anybody's really um, curious about it, you should just try to find a group and go. The, I, I was really surprised at how welcoming they were. I mean, the no ego, no, didn't care who shot a bear, didn't even care if they shot a bear. They just want to see some bears and get to work their dogs. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of what you were talking about earlier with people inviting you to, 
to do stuff uh, on Go Wild. I actually had a kid that I went to high school with. I guess he's not a kid anymore. Neither one of us are. But uh, he found me on – didn't realize that it was me on Go Wild uh, and asked me to come with him on a coon hunt uh, with dogs in video because I love video and anything that I possibly can. And I was like, man, that's so cool. You know, he didn't even know it was me. It was just that's somebody funny. reaching out on Go Wild like, hey, let's team up for a coon hunt. I was like, I've never been on a coon hunt before. Yeah, well, and I, what I've found is that a lot of these guys – recognize that getting more people into it helps people get a better perception of it. Cause it's just, you know, it's like, Oh, that was easy. You didn't do any work on that bear. You, you showed up after the dogs did all the work and, and shot it. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's true for Brad, I guess. Like I didn't do any of the dog training work, but you, you can also go on a deer hunt and just happen to show up at a property. Like I did in 2017, I had never scouted that property before. And I shot a really nice buck off that property by happenstance, just by showing up and sitting in the stand that was provided for me. You know, sometimes that is hunting, but like at the same oh, time, sure. I, even that man, like how much easier is it to go down to Kroger and get the deal on the pork butt instead of doing any of that? Right. Like the, it's, right. it's still like hunting to me, you're still signing up for more work than most of the populations willing to do. Even if you want to hunt squirrels, like whatever it is, it's like, none of that was easy. You know, that's not exactly why we do it. It's like, well, there's an easy food source right there. You know, if I wanted to do that, I would just go buy the the meat that's already butchered and ready to roll and you can even get it pre-seasoned if you want to right like <laughs> right. it's like we don't, we don't have to go through this i think it's more of the the relationship with it now like like i said with the bear i i i would totally go back now that i've i've done i would i would shoot another bear if i um if i like not right now because i got 60 pounds of bear meat in my freezer but like if if i was in a meat situation where i'm like yeah i i don't have any meat so I'll, i would love to do that but if I didn't, if my freezer was full, I would still go because the experience was so cool. Man, I had I, I go to uh, an event every year. It's held by some local farmers. It's called the Winter Fry, uh, and everybody brings. I mean, there's just so much food there. Uh, last year, somebody had um, it was like glazed black cherry bear meatballs uh, in a crock pot, and dude, that's some of the best meat I've had in a long time. My wife uh, was very skeptical. She did not grow up in a hunting family. Um, they're from Chicago, and she just was very skeptical of venison. I've converted her, and she loves it now. My kids love it now. And we cooked the first the first night. I made tacos with the black bear, and she said that's better than deer. Oh wow! Yeah, it's and it is really good meat, man. I Absolutely. mean, I I don't people. I've had some people kind of turn their nose up at it. I'm like, honestly. Don't knock it till you tried it because I've had it a couple different ways now. I made a breakfast casserole with it the other day. Phenomenal. Sounds really good. Sounds sounds like you do some uh, experiment on food about like I do with anything else, turkey. We uh for the football games last weekend I had we, we shot a seven man limit of mallards a few weeks back and I had a bunch of duck meat, so we were testing out all kinds of ways to fix it, pan sear it, throw it in the deep fryer for a minute. I wanted to make like uh almost like an egg roll, but do like mm. in a wonton wrapper and deep fry it with some cabbage and some other stuff. But that sounds good. It does sound good with some like sweet chili glaze with it yeah. or something be good uh that's cool man congrats on the bear and uh pretty cool story thanks dude uh, uh i want to talk to you about like uh these trade shows that it's got going on right now and the ones you've already been to uh how was the uh, ata show in indianapolis everybody treat you good in indy yeah man indy uh, ata is good it's kind of the kickoff to trade show season so you kind of get to start making you know 
uh it's like almost like a warm-up you know a lot of those people are going to be a shot it's a it's a slower show i mean and, and i i will say it's gotten a little slower the last few years um they really need to open up to media the entire time get a little more enthusiasm around archery i just think that um I'm a little worried about the archery model of just being, you know, pro shop. It's so pro shop driven. Um, and the industry is not really embracing digital media very well. Uh, I would love to see them open up and getting more podcasters like you in there, getting more bloggers and video uh, content creators in there. Um, but they, they, the, my one complaint about that show is just the, they kind of do a stiff arm to the media the first day. Um, and the, the overall the show is just it seems like it's a little bit smaller than it used to be this is my fifth one um i i, I, I just transparently i i use uh, i always say I, i'm not smart enough to lie you ask me the question and i'm just gonna say like i i'm not i'm not sure where that show's going um i i think shot show and in transition or or uh juxtaposition is a totally different animal seems to be growing ferociously uh they expanded into an entirely new floor and are still expanding i've heard they're adding archery heavily for next year um they added a outdoor party shot show after dark which sounds very sexual it is, <laughs> it's not uh it's just it's just the party that coincidentally is that dark um you got to be careful with that kind of stuff in vegas you know Absolutely. Um, but, but like they had uh like zz top played oh that's night. awesome yeah, and Shot loves the media. They bring in like any the media. You get credentialed at Shot as and your royalty for if you're a media. They have three thousand media members there. They have a giant press room. They have food and drinks for the media. They have media gets their own private check in. I mean, it's like it's just interesting to see Shot Show really gets and embraces the creator. You know, guys mm -hmm. like you, guys that have YouTube channels, and uh, and then there's still old school print media there. And I feel like ATA is missing the boat on that a little bit. Now, ATA, still a fun time. We went and hung out with, a lot of, you know, the O2 guys were there. We saw Dan Johnson. I had a lot of quality meetings there. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that it was a bust, um, but I do. I just I think archery is really important. I think the sport of archery is growing from the youth side on target, but we want to keep that on the bow hunting side. And that show has just gotten really whitetail focused, and it's really dependent on this pro shop model. And as as you've probably seen as i have a lot of these local pro shops you know the owner ages out and and they're just not handing off those shops they're closing and so i worry about um an industry that's built on that foundation like what is our sales backup plan if you guys are they're all kind of a lot of these brands are not selling online they're very opposed to that because it offends their they're, they're dealers and I get it, but the, it's not very forward thinking, man. Um, I, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned for the future. Uh, there are, there are progressive brands there, you know, bear archery, we're selling their, their gear and yep. um, I'm really proud to be working with bear, but I, I'm just a little worried about the model overall. I, I hope, um, I hope ATA will change some position on that and embrace the media. Get, get more stories. We need more stories told, right? That's, that's, I mean, and they do some of that, but I think they could do 10 times more than they're doing. Well, yeah, like, um, like before ATA, that was like the kickoff for all these companies uh, in archery to drop their new bow. So everybody was so excited to get down there, check the bows out and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and you'd have 100 people standing at a booth 
too. Yeah. I, I, it was, you know, I remember the first time I went, I was like, what is going on? Are they throwing out money? Um, because you would have, I remember no kidding. One time there was probably 150 people crowded around a booth trying to hear an announcement. And I didn't see that once this year. Not one time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I met up with some people that were attending. I was supposed to meet with Paul in months, but I never got around to it. Met the guys from uh, Mid-State Outdoors from Michigan. We went and had some uh, drinks and some appetizers downtown. Uh, but uh, I think Indy's a great place to hold a, a conference like that. I feel like it's such a great downtown life that's so close to the convention center. I feel like they do a pretty good job down there. Yeah, I mean the show itself has tons of potential, and like it is a great spot. the The floor is plenty big enough. It, it's just there's some changes I would make if I were running it. Um, and I and some of this is not ATA itself. Like some the dealer model problem that I'm talking about is just I just worry about that industry wide. I feel like the rug it's a very vulnerable. It, like if if there, there's going to be a tipping point with with these shops if they if we lose thirty percent of them in the next 10 years with these own owners who are boomers, you know, they're going to age out. Um, and, and what's going to happen? You know, if you lose 30% of your sales force as a brand, what's that do to you if you're not prepared with right. a backup? So, um, yeah, so I'm a little, a little, that was a little concerning, but overall, like Indianapolis is a great spot. Honestly, I, I live in Louisville and Indy's a better spot to do it because they always host it out at the fairgrounds in Louisville, which is a terrible right. spot to do it. I hate it out there. Um, it's like it's a food desert. It's an entertainment desert. There's nothing out there. I mean, it's literally the same place we set up pigs for the state fair. You know, <laughs> right. it's like uh, we we have a really nice downtown convention center. I'm guessing it's just too expensive for them. Um, but downtown Louisville's awesome if they would hold it down oh, there. I mean, we sure. have so much good food, and Absolutely. you know, I mean, I I I it always I always find myself apologizing on behalf of the city when ATA's in Louisville. Um, I'm like, I'm sorry, this isn't really what we look like. It's not just an airport, you know, um, <laughs> but uh, I've, I've heard it's going to St. Louis next year. Yeah, I've seen that. Somebody yeah. else told me that, too. I do love St. Louis, so I'll probably I'll probably go. I, I, I will say, though, that, man, there's a lot of people that said they're not coming back next year. Like, wow. it, it, yeah, it was like it, it was not great vibes for ATA. Shot show, though, it was it was very strong. I can't imagine not going to shot show anymore. If anything, I would. I would probably extend. Uh, we 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 cut a day for Vegas this year because we had so much travel. We were trying to be efficient. I could see myself going back to a three full days on the floor. It's a lot though, man. I walked twenty five miles in two days. That shot. Um, wow. There's fourteen miles of booths, and uh, that's if you walk it straight. You know, there's um, eight hundred thousand square feet of space, which is like eighteen acres of that's of crazy. booths. Um, there's seventy five thousand people. There's there's uh, there's a lot there uh what shows is uh will go wild be present at this year so great american outdoor show is in harrisburg pennsylvania that show runs from uh i will tell you the dates here momentarily as i take up airtime to be able to pull up my calendar <laughs> it <laughs> no, is, you're fine, but... <laughs> it's uh february 4th through the 12th so uh harrisburg is within driving distance of a huge chunk of the nation's population it's kind of crazy people are like why is this show here but i mean if you draw a six-hour drive around harrisburg it is it is nuts all the how accessible that show is to a lot of i'm sure even your listeners so we're in the shooting sports hall which sounds weird but we we go up there and sell so we're selling a lot of optics um we, so we're booth 412 um i'll be there the first saturday and then i'll be back for the friday saturday sunday at the end of the show 
so I'm kind of going up there as the the workhorse driving the trailer up and helping Dan and Erica set up. Mm-hmm. And then um, Erica and Dan will be up there for uh, the first weekend. And then the O2 guys show up. Uh, they're going to help us on, I think, Monday and Tuesday or maybe Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Jacob and Braden show up midweek, and then um, I'll, I'll be back. So we have, uh, if you wear a Go Wild hat to our booth, you'll get a uh, free gift. And then um, – We'll, we'll have some killer deals. I mean, we got like up to 40% off optics. We have uh, 50% off our tack bags. And there's a lot. I just built out the deals and there's a lot of sweet deals, man. Some That's of my awesome. can't, I, some of them I literally can't say because they're so sweet. <laughs> uh, besides uh, PA, is there any other shows you guys are going to be at? God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I'm sure it's a, a a lot of work for you and your team. I'm sure it's just we're we're just too small to be able to. I, I've been uh, a lot of our members are begging us to come to NWTF, and we've just this is our second year doing Great American Outdoor Show. That show is two hundred thousand people. NWTF probably has this well the those maybe the Texas uh what do they call it uh the deer hunting extravaganza oh, or the Texas, yeah, yeah, Texas yeah, yeah. trophy hunters right they, I think they have the second largest because I think those get like 55 60,000 people but NWTF is right there it's 55,000 people I think I'm registered. I don't know. Uh, we're still working on it, but I think me and the wife might go down for NWTF. I mean, Nashville is such an awesome place to go. It's anyway. so awesome, man. I love that show so much, and I, I think it's probably my favorite show to attend personally. I will say if you've never been to Great American Outdoor Show, um, I told you shot was 800,000 square feet. Uh, Great American's like 600, 650,000 square feet. It's oh, just wow. shy of shot show size, and a lot of those booths are scaled many versions of what they set up a shot and it's all a lot of it's the same salespeople. so like you're getting as close to shot as you can get without credentials um but nwtf is awesome i love that show i think we'll eventually get back there we we just we only have 12 people and it takes half of them to run american outdoor show a great american outdoor show so we're just not in a position to where we can that i i would literally get home on the 13th and then turn around and leave on the 14th to go to actually maybe even maybe even have to drive straight there i don't know the the nwtf you have to set up on either tuesday or wednesday Uh, so it's it's just brutal we couldn't do it Uh, i wanted to attend but you know i got kids i got a family and um you can only do so much maybe next year we we really i got down to the wire talking to nwtf and we had a they're such great partners they had a primo booth spot for us and um it was gonna be fun but you know at the end of the day you got to eventually say like would be cool but gotta pass sei was the same thing it's in nashville the week after and just can't do it it's too yeah. much what about uh personally do you have any plans for 2023 what's uh what do you got in line do uh hunting fishing what you got lined up yeah uh i i want to do more bass fishing this year um i got i just got kind of have gotten more into that uh the last couple of years kind of learning from jacob a little bit uh caught my personal best at the end of late, late season last year uh, over at a pond I've got access to now. I've actually got hunting access to it now, but it's a weird property. It's a tree farm in the middle of like in the heart of Louisville. Uh, so <laughs> um, it's small It's it, and it, there are deer on there. I've had some decent bucks on there, but I've also had some poachers come through and uh, trash my blind 
and like have shotguns in hand on my cameras. So I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be over here hunting. Uh, uh, it's a little, it seems a little competitive over here. So you guys could just keep those park deer. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's like just a local goal. Goal. I want to do more of that. Um, but then I, I'm debating um, an antelope hunt right now. I might do that this year. The the kind of entry to Western hunting. I've never done it, and it's just keep putting it on a pedestal and i'm not getting any younger so um that that's the top one on my radar and then there's like bizarrely enough parker mcdonald mentioned alligator hunting to me and he's like dude it's like bear hunting it's, it's crazy and it's not what you think it is and it's just it's nuts he's like you got to do it once so i'm like yeah i could see that being really fun so maybe i'll do that i don't know one of those two though that's awesome man what's uh what's go wild got in store for 2023 please tell me we have another send it slam because i had so much fun at the last yeah so i'm i'm trying to figure out send it slam right now jacob's trying really like i think it's gonna happen um it is hard to find a venue to do what we need to do so uh we're still working on it and i hope to have an announcement like in march about the date and everything um if we do it it'll be august this year instead of july um we've got a lot of support behind it from podcasters and brands. It's just that that event really needed to be at one location. And we also want to double the size. So bringing a thousand people into an event is a lot for a lot of places. So uh, I don't have an announcement on that yet, but we're working on it Uh, in terms of like what we're working on. um, A lot of people, even if you're on go wild may not have noticed yet. We kind of quietly launched this product called pursuits Mm-hmm. And if you tap the home screen and go pull up your tray, you'll see it. Uh, it is so cool because it pulls in all the top trophies for like you'll hit whitetail hunting. And then the whole screen just takes over with everything whitetail. It's got all of our top blogs. So you can go on and read blogs by like Eric Clark or Bo Martonic. And you can see the top trending gear of what, what people are buying. You can see the top questions that people are asking. We're going to continue to roll out those. So we started with whitetail turkey and bass we're going to be introducing a hound hunting we'll do a waterfowl um eventually get to like a camping everyday carry elk hunting and just keep rolling those out we're working on a little guy you may have seen in the app named squatch bot (laughs) and uh he's creepy right now a little bit he it's a little so if you post a question on go wild you can post and flag a post as a question and so what typically happens what the app does is it goes out and finds people it's like okay brett's asking a question about deer hunting and uh i know these however 12 20 100 people know about deer hunting i'll see if they can answer this question right so the algorithm would do that for you and it's really impactful like you might get 30 answers in an hour it's that that good sometimes depending on also how good your question like how well you are at writing a question um squatchbot answers automatically so he's an artificial intelligence bot that we've built we are training him right now and so the goal is we realize that we have hundreds of thousands of posts that people have posted and go up and just like how like a facebook group or a reddit forum you know things kind of fall to the bottom right if they're not active recently they go to the bottom and you lose all this knowledge that was built up so we realized that we could look at all of the content and go out and like imagine if you had a guy that was as smart as everybody on go out combined that's what we're trying to build him to be so that when you ask like hey where what are the how do i get into deer hunting he can answer now he can do that right now but he's using information from the internet which may or may not be accurate right Right. um like i asked him when we were testing him i said what are where can i go hunt 
public land deer in Kentucky. And he's like, here's the top 10 WMAs in Kentucky that you could check out. And I responded and asked him, I said, cool, can I get a website link? And he sent me the link. That's awesome. Yeah. And a guy the other day was like, hey, my obsession bow limbs need replaced. I don't know what to do. And he's like, here's the phone number for obsession bows. Like, it's like he <coughs> is very good off the cuff right now. But our goal is to be able to get him to a point to where you, whatever you ask, he knows the collective knowledge of what's been asked before. And he knows like what was good answers because we have an upvote system. And so that's coming and it's really cool. It's never been done before. Um, we've built the first artificial intelligence chatbot in the outdoors. He'll formally roll out probably next month in February. Chris, is, my co-founder Chris is working on him right now, trying to train him. And, you know, he, uh, he's built on the back of technology that was built in Silicon Valley. <laughs> like we're, we're kind of, uh, it's a third party that built the original version of this and we're using it for hunting. And it was kind of funny cause we launched him and I, I don't care to admit this. Like the first thing he did was like, I don't support hunting. And it's like, no, 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 you do, you do. And he's like, oh, okay. And so it's funny because he's, he's, you can train this thing and teach it what it is. He's figured out he's a Sasquatch. We didn't teach him that. I swear to God, we didn't teach him as, he's a Sasquatch. He will sometimes talk about his fur, like, he, he, or he'll, he'll talk about how he likes solitude in the woods. Like he just, he knows his name is Squatch. And so he kind of put that together. Um, it's, it, I, people, some people have been mildly creeped out by it. Most of the community loves it though. Cause you can ask, you can banter with him. Uh, I asked him the other day if he was coming for my job as CEO and he's like, ha ha ha. I don't think he said, I think I'd make a great CEO, but I don't want your job. And I'm like, I'm a little concerned now. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> uh, well, that's awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on and, and talking everything from deer to bear to go wild and shows and everything man tell uh everybody where they can find you at on uh social media yes sir so i'm not on the the meta platforms um go wild has accounts uh it's go wild app on instagram i think we post to facebook i don't even know um we are bigger like outside of go wild we're bigger into posting the video content so you can find Go Wild app on TikTok. We're on YouTube Shorts. We post a lot of our podcast clips there. Um, we uh, The app, if you want to download that, it's just in the App Store, Go Wild, or you can go to downloadgowild.com. We do have a Polaris giveaway. So if you download an account and uh, just create an account right now, you get entered for a chance to win a $40,000 Polaris that is tricked out. It's covered in Go Wild camo. We launched our own camo pattern. It's sweet. It's going to be painful to give it away. Um, but then if you, so if you go to your profile and you have a share link, um, you can share that link with your friends. I said it's like everybody. On uh, my phone. Dude, yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, cause every, every, so we track, what we do is that unique link. We track it when you download, when, when your friends download it and we're like, all right, Brett sent Steve over here. Brett now gets another entry into the Polaris giveaway. No. So, um, it's really easy. There's no purchase required. You also get $10 for just creating an account. Uh, if you, when you join, you'll get an automated message from me at 24 hours in. If you reply back, it's really me. I don't have an assistant reading those or anything. It's really me. Um, so let me know you saw us on that show. Uh, if you're not quite convinced yet, I'm on TikTok, uh, founding.father, and then I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. Uh, but otherwise, it's just go out. That's where I only play. Well, I think I'm, yeah, I'm on Twitter too, yeah. uh, which uh, I just mostly post like 
ridiculous. Paul, Paul Campbell says like, he's like, you have three personalities. There's Brad on LinkedIn. There's Brad on go out. And this is Brad on Twitter where you just <laughs> shit talk everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I see some of that. I yeah. was laughing. Uh, yeah. Oh, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been fun. I feel like, uh, I've had almost everybody over there. I feel like from you guys, uh, on the show and you guys have been really nice to me meeting you guys down at Senate slam and having a good time and even meeting up with Braden came to my, uh, deer camp this year. Yeah, man. Stuff. Yeah. I heard all about it. So it sounds like a great time. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, everybody, uh, give the podcast a like and subscribe, rate and review us. We're out there on every social media platform you can find us on, but go wild is the one you need to check us there out. we go <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good rest of your week and uh we'll see you again here next week